I think probably one thing we can all agree on is that 2020 has been a unique year. A little bit different for all of us, but one of the things that we probably all have experienced in common in terms of 2020 is that our plans didn't work out the way we thought they would. There were students who were planning their graduation parties, planning to celebrate with all the other students that maybe they had spent 12 years of school with, and now they were getting ready to get together and to celebrate, and they weren't able to do that. There were athletes who had practiced hard and were looking forward to that season, maybe the chance to set a personal record, maybe a chance to go undefeated, and sports were canceled. There were many of us who maybe had vacations planned, who were planning to travel, maybe been saving and planning for years for that special trip to go somewhere, and it was canceled. Maybe it was a family reunion. There were weddings. People had big plans, and this great day, and all of a sudden, because of a worldwide pandemic, weren't able to gather with their friends and their family to celebrate. All kinds of plans, different ideas and things that we had. And my guess is if we were to go around to people in the chapel here and talk to everyone online, every one of you would have at least one thing you were planning on doing this summer. One thing you had planned sometime after March that you looked forward to, that you had marked on your calendar. Even though I know some of you are those type that have everything written on your calendar. And some of you just kind of go day by day. But my guess is everyone had some plan that was upset, some plan that was defeated. And so when we hear James talk about plans, we get to it. But I want us to dig in to see what is it that James is talking about. Was it a bad idea to have these plans? Was there something wrong to plan these things out? But what is James talking about? So if we have here in our text in James chapter 5, so James again, real quickly, this letter, or I'm sorry, James chapter 4, this letter written by James to early Christians. James, the half-brother of Jesus, has written this letter to tell them about what life looks like. And we're talking and calling this series we're doing a faith that works. There's kind of a play on the word works because faith, as James said earlier, is something that with which you do something. It's not simply mental assent. It's not simply believing the right things. But faith plays itself out in deeds. But faith also works because when we follow and live the life of faith, life is better. And so that's what James is talking about here. So in James chapter 4, verse 13, he picks up and he says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. And so he doesn't necessarily address any specific set of plans. Instead, he simply says, Now listen, you who say, and what are they saying? Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. So there's this broad range of possibilities. He's maybe talking to merchants, to planners, and he's saying, you have these ideas. You've decided when you're going to go. You've decided where you're going to go. You've decided what you're going to do there, and maybe even what the results will be. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to spend some time there. I'm going to carry on business, and then I'm going to make some money. They've got everything planned out, where they're going, what they're doing, how it's all going to happen, and what the end result is going to be. And then James kind of pushes back. Let me say he hits back. He says, well, he says, why, 
you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, here you are making these plans, thinking about what you're going to do and all these elaborate plans for a year. And he says, you don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. He says, what's your life? He said, your life, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. A vapor. And I was thinking of this hot weather we've had recently. Unfortunately, we've, it's cooled down a little bit and it's a little bit nicer. But during that hot weather, if you were to go outside and they pour a little bit of water on the yard, how long did it last? It was just gone. You set it out there. And so that's the idea. Here's a, that's what our life is like. It's like spraying some hot water on one of those 100 degree days. Just poof. And it's gone. He says, so if your life is like that, what are you planning for? So, do you think James is suggesting that we shouldn't plan at all? No, I don't think that's what James is getting at. If we read the rest of Scripture, there are stories, especially in the Proverbs, and there are things that say, it's good to make, plan ahead. I mean, he's, just, he's not saying, don't make any plans. He's not saying it's not wise to save up. Or wise to think and to think ahead about the things you might be doing. And he's not even saying that the plans to make money, that their business plans are bad. But what's the problem? What's he getting at? Why is he saying this is so bad? Because what he's getting at is that they have done this planning with a sense of confidence, with a sense of maybe even arrogance, that this is what we're going to do and this is what's going to happen. In other words, what James is getting at is they've made these plans apart from God. They've decided what they're going to do apart from God. And this is one of the central flaws, one of the central sins of people is to plan and to boast of what we can do apart from God. It goes way back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, where Adam and Eve are in the garden. And what do they decide to do? God has placed them in the garden and said, here's this one tree, don't eat from this one tree. But they decide for themselves what they're going to do. They decide to make their own plans and take for themselves to do it. And James says that's the problem. He says what you're doing is you're making your plans apart from what God is doing. You're kind of setting God over here and you're putting God in this box and saying, okay, God, you're over here and you're in charge of that. Now I'm going to make all my plans. And they're forgetting about God. They're boasting about it. They're assuming they can do it. And they assume they knew, know what their future will bring. And so he then says, well, what's the opposite of this? The opposite of this is instead, verse 15, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so one we notice, he's saying, the things we say connect with our heart. But he's also saying, what is he saying when he says, if it is the Lord's will? It's recognizing that what I plan is contingent on God's allowing it to happen. And so we prayed a prayer earlier today. We said the Lord's Prayer. And one of the lines in that is, Thy will be done. And so it's recognizing that God is the one who is in control of things. And then I can make all the plans, but it's contingent on God allowing those things to happen. Jesus, in his last days in the garden, or his last night in the garden, is praying and 
He's praying for what he wants, how he would plan things. He'd rather not die this horrible death, but he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And so when James here says, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this. In other words, he's saying, I'm submitting to what God wants me to do. And so if it's works, if it's a part of God's plan, if it works within that, then that's what will happen. I think it's also saying that if it's in accordance with the epic ethics, the ethics, the will of God expressed in Scripture. So in other words, he's saying, we don't make plans to do bad things and expect that they're going to happen. I mean, that's you know, so to say if the Lord wills is also to say this is in accordance with what God wants done. And so there's this focus on the will of God. Focus on what it is that God wants us to do. So that suggests a couple implications. One is we need to take the time to listen. If we want to know what God's will is, we need to leave time to listen to what God is saying. The second thing is we need to be sure that God's voice is the primary voice we are hearing. And so I was thinking about this in terms of there are all these other voices out there that are speaking to us and telling us to do things. And one of the ones that's so common is, and here's where, again, finding this balance is, there are all kinds of people telling you how to plan for your retirement, right? You know, there's people who make it, let me say, this is how to plan for your retirement and to make these plans for the future. And when you do this, then this is what will happen. Although you always notice, like, if you've ever watched commercials or seen advertisements for investing, there'll be all these charts and it'll talk about the, the, the return on investment and stuff. And then there's always this really, really little tiny print that says what? May not happen this way, right? That's the little tiny print that's essentially saying, if it is the Lord's will. In other words, you can make all the plans you want, but it may not happen that way. You may be told that, oh, if you do this, if you make this investment, then it will be a great deal that you can do these things. And so there are numerous stories in the business world of industries that thought they knew what the future would bring. So in the 1980s, there was, for those of you who remember life in the 1980s, there was this chain of stores where you could go in and rent videos. And it was called Blockbuster. And there were, when we lived in, when Christine and I lived in Texas, we literally could go a, one to two miles in any direction, north, south, or east, or west, and hit a Blockbuster. They were everywhere. Well, in the early 90s, this little company called Netflix came along. And by that time, we had moved to Minnesota. Netflix, in its early days, this may be hard to believe, you paid a service and it was like $5.95, $6.95 a month. And the way it worked was you would register online and they would mail you a DVD. In the, in the mail, the U.S. mail, you'd, you'd get this, you'd watch the movie, then you'd stick it back in this prepaid thing and send it back and you could have one movie at a time or two movies at a time, depending on which service you paid for. Well, they were starting to do this. And in the mid-90s, Netflix went to Blockbuster and said, hey, we're, we're doing this thing, and would you consider buying us out? $15 million, and you can own this company. 
The blockbuster said, nah, don't need it. We know about videos. When was the last time any of you saw a blockbuster? Netflix, on the other hand, and I'm not exactly, is worth billions of dollars right now. You see, the people at Blockbuster knew and thought they understood what the future would bring. And it's the same way in our lives, and that's what James is saying. Now, I'm not suggesting that if Blockbuster would have known and said, well, if the Lord wills, but they had this idea, the, the idea that Blockbuster, the folks at Blockbuster, had a plan, and they thought they knew what the future would bring. And that's what James is getting at here, is for us to be careful not to think we know what the future will bring. But instead, when we make our plans, when we think about the things we're going to do, we add on and we say, if the Lord wills. Now, it's not simply a little magic word we stick on at the end. It's not simply this idea, again, this is where we can say, you can come up with ridiculous ideas. Well, tomorrow I'm going to rob a bank and get away, if the Lord wills. Well, no, the Lord doesn't will us to get away, so... But we can't just stick it on and plan that way. So, But we recognize that the opposite of presuming is not being passive, but participating in God's work. And so James has said earlier in the book where he's talked about God as the Father and the giver of all good things, the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. But every, he says, verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. And so, when we talk about the Lord's will, we'll recognize that everything we have is gift. And so our response is to offer every moment to the Lord. We're not trying to put God's approval on our plans after we've made them. Not coming up and saying, I've got all these great ideas. Now, Lord, could you put your stamp on it and say this is what's going to happen? But instead, we plan and we say, God, how are we being called to be a part of your plan and your work? And so if the Lord's will is really about an act of trust, it's an act of putting ourselves in the hands of God. It's a reminder that when we follow Jesus, we're called to be in a life, and we're reminding ourselves we're a part of a life in which we are not completely in control. When Pastor talked about this, is this idea that we have this idea that if we have freedom, if, that if we think we can, so the illusion of freedom is that if we think we can, we think we will. And that's not the way it works. Just because we can doesn't mean we will. But the good news of Jesus says and reminds us that though we're not in control, that God is in control. We are not in control, that God is in control. And so it's inviting us to trust in a God who has more good in mind for us than we do. And so I have to step back and say, who do I trust better to plan things out? Who do I trust better? Do I trust in my own devices, in my own wisdom, in my own foresight? Or do I trust instead in the God who created the universe? Do I trust in the wisdom that I've learned or in the wisdom of God? Do I trust in what I know or do I trust in an incredibly faithful and good God? 
And that's what James is saying is when we make our plans, when we're thinking about things, where is our trust? Is our trust in our own planning or in the will of God? Is this hard? Yes. I mean, I like to make plans. I like to write things down and make these lists and think of all these things I'm going to do. There's nothing wrong with making those lists. There's nothing wrong with coming up with those ideas. But it's always recognizing that ultimately we have no control over the future. But instead, we give ourselves over into the hands of God. And it's not just any God. It's not a capricious God. It's not a random God. But we give ourselves over into the hand of a God who loves us and cares for us. We give ourselves over into the hand of a God who is good and faithful and loving and just. And so that's what James is inviting us to do is to say, you can make your plans, you can do this, but hand yourself over to a God who is good and faithful. And to recognize that God is calling us to live this new life. And we can't do it on our own, but we're able to do it because Jesus has opened the way up for us. That we're able to live this life because Jesus has invited us and lived a new life for it. So he's saying, put aside the boasting, put aside the arrogance that you think you know what is best. And instead, he invites us to trust in God and in his will for the future. What will 2021 bring? Who knows? None of us know. Does that mean you should just give up and say, not going to make any plans? No, make your plans. Think about those things you're going to do. Think about those visits you're going to do. But remember to put it into the hands of God and say, if it is God's will, trust in him and know that whatever he does, all that he does is good and loving. God invites us to trust in him. Trust in him for the future and trust in him with our lives. And that's the invitation that James gives us today. So will you trust that God has the best in your mind? Will you, as you make your plans, say if it is the Lord's will, instead of being arrogant and boasting in your own ability, trust in the God who loves and cares for you. The God who gives us more grace. Amen.